Selamat Dan Tanki Podcast Pusingang Achir. <laughs> or, that's welcome to the final op, final app podcast in Malaysian. Well done. Impressive. <laughs> I wait. assumed that's what you were doing there, but like, <laughs> caught me a bit by surprise. <laughs> Only if I'm not fluent in Malaysian. <laughs> um, yes, I thought I would give it a try, see if I can introduce the podcast in the language of the... Uh, Grumpy that we are reviewing, just to give it a go. So yeah, that, that could be a feature every week. <laughs> I'm going to try my best and see if I can. Um, so, really welcome to the Final Lap Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is a man that uh, never goes missing in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's Sean Gray. <laughs> Too soon, maybe. Uh, probably, well, probably, but you know. Uh, hello, hiya, folks. <laughs> And we are here to review the Malaysian Grand Prix, uh, take a look at some of the latest happenings in the Formula One news, and also look ahead to the Bahrain... Did I say look ahead to the Bahrain Grand Prix? I did, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, this weekend. Mm. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was a two-week gap or a one-week gap, but I'm assured it's, all, it's this weekend. It so. is indeed this weekend. I, I think I, I almost said looking forward to the Bahrain Grand Prix, and then I, I caught myself. Hesitated, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've been on board to vote it as the worst track of the year, I think. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's still Formula One, so we'll still be here. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and at least it's not on at 7 o'clock in the morning, so. Oh, with a plus. So I think we'll break the format usually. We usually start with the news, but I think we'll review um, Malaysia first, then have a quick look at what's heading around in the news, because it's all generally related with it being so uh, close to the next Grand Prix. Uh, and then we'll look ahead to uh, Bahrain and uh, see what we think about that one, um, if we can sum it up in more than four-letter words. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur. Um, as we pointed out last week, it's uh, been on the Formula One card for, was it for 10 years? No, it was more than that. Was it's it even 15, more? It's 1999 that it first came, so it's 15 years this year. Dear God. Um, I know. <laughs> it, doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like there's been that many races there, does it? But there must be. There obviously has been. Yeah. I know Schumacher had won it a couple of times, but it wasn't. It surprises me. Anyway, uh, so yes, the Malaysian Grand Prix, uh, home of Petronas, the main title sponsors of Mercedes. Um, but they would not let us forget all weekend. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Lewis Hamilton in his uh, big turquoise green um, baseball cap all weekend, and um, absolutely everything emblazoned with Petronas, and something highly amusing and highly embarrassing happening on the uh, podium interviews from Nico Rosberg. Um, spoilers, he was on the podium. Um, which we'll go into at the end, which I thought was the most cringy thing I've ever seen a professional sports person do. Um, but yes, uh, we started with uh, Lewis Hamilton on pole with Sebastian Vettel uh managing to be very very close in qualifying um a very wet qualifying in uh, it has to be said um nico rosberg third um yep who was fourth uh, lando lando Alonso. was it yeah because he made he knackered his oh, car yes he did yes absolutely and, and, he, managed uh, to... and he drove the wheels off it to, to drag it around before yeah, quite literally. Yeah, it was the front suspension that was completely broken, and uh, they did a they did a cracking job. They were benefited with a red flag, of course, which uh, gave them a little bit extra time. True enough. He uh, he somehow 
somehow managed to get it out and drag it out to fourth, which, to be quite frank, I didn't think the Ferrari was quick enough to get fourth when it was fully fit, so never mind a broken Ferrari. No. So. I heard a report after after the fact that Fernando had said that um, he could have steered right where, with one finger, but um, to turn left it had to use all of his upper body strength to make the car turn left. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like. And he still qualified his teammate in a fully fit for that. That's all well, I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so that was the the top four. We had um, um, Ricardo in fifth, I think, was it? Uh yeah, I think so, wasn't it? And, and then, the I think. was it? Was it not button? No, I'm pretty sure the Force India qualified button could be wrong. It's only like, it's only like three days ago, man. I just can't remember. Uh, but that was the that was the, the, that was the the sharp end of the grid, so to speak. Um, and uh, as we got underway, um, the Mercedes showed once again how much better they are at getting their power down. Great off the line, right? Onto the rubber. It was um, it was weird just to see them just breeze past the competition. I think Sebastian Vettel probably got one of his best starts ever, and still Nico Rosberg just went at the inside <laughs> of him. Should probably say that not everybody started the race. Uh, Perez. Oh yes. Not having a particularly good start to his Force India career. Very un uninteresting uh, Melbourne. He got a point just because of the Ricardo incident. But very uneventful for him. And, uh, and didn't even get a lap under his belt. Yeah, not, I can't even remember what the problem was. It must have been an engine problem, I think. And he, that was it. No, nothing. No joy. So, no Perez. Yes. Um, he's, he's kind of done that wherever he's gone. He had a, a very... Poor start to his McLaren season, which probably ultimately led to the fact that he didn't stay on there at all. Um, and I don't think I don't think I remember his Sauber sort of debut being all that uh, spectacular. It wasn't until sort of mid-season that he started to really uh, show himself as a potentially really good driver. So uh, that might just be his um, modus operandi, so to speak. Can't really fault him for. Uh... But his car not working though. <laughs> no, that's true enough. That is true enough. So lap one, um, we can guess at least one of the people who decided to have a moment. Although it has to be said that uh, poor old Crashter Lodonado, um, it really wasn't his fault this uh, this time around. Um, you were adamant that it was John Eric Verne's fault, weren't you? Well, I looked at the replays afterwards and. It's difficult, I'll give the stewards that, because you could argue that Bianchi is steaming up the inside of Verne at pace um, into a gap that was always going to close on him. However, I think Jev moves over quite late, um, and he'd had a terrible start, so he was he was slow anyway, and therefore to sort of be driven around. Um so I think it's really a case that, that Jev comes across, clips the um, back of uh, Bianchi's car, which then sends him slightly skyward, puncturing the tyre, and he's just arrives into Pastor Maldonado at speed. Um, yeah, you can't really, as much as I would love to blame Pastor Maldonado, I think he's going to be, uh, he's off the hook this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, was, this, just this once. <laughs> 
Uh, and that was quickly followed a couple of laps later by... Um, I thought this is a very unfortunate incident, really, which is that uh, Kevin Magnussen steamed into a corner clearly with, uh, with more pace than Kimi was carrying at that point. Um, and just just tapped his, his back wheel back with his, um, his front wing and it, it disintegrated the... Uh, the tire on Raikkonen's car ultimately damaging the floor of it um, so uh, poor old Raikkonen had a long time for that race or a not working car very very much at all um, Magnussen seemed to slow down for a couple of laps after that looked very slow, looked like the Williams were going to overtake him, uh, but then he sort of seemed to be able to put his foot down and drive on uh, which was interesting well, they changed uh, the front wing didn't they so, well they did eventually yeah, he was slow with a broken front wing. I think when he replaced it, that kind of sorted that out. They just tried to hold off to the pit stop window, so that they got the tires in the right the right place where they needed to be, which you can kind of understand. But he was he was pretty damn slow for three or four laps. So they got away with it, I guess, in the end. In the end. Right, uh, yeah, uh, on the incident itself, I thought Magnussen was uh, very unfortunate to get to get uh, his collar felt by the stewards there. That was, was uh, that's if you're punishing them for that. I mean, he's a rookie. It was he slightly took a wee bit too much pace into the corner and just nudged the back of Raikkonen. It was very harsh. I thought. No, absolutely. And he got points on his license, on his super license as well. Very hard. There's going to be a lot of drivers with um, race bans this season if if the stewards are going to be quite this fervent in their application that pretty much if they pull up anybody for anything, it's going to end up with a set of points on their license. Yeah, I um, wonder who will be the first person to get it. <laughs> Someone well, else got them this weekend. Did Bottas not get them this weekend? Uh, he did. Oh. Um... Again, again, a harsh one. The stewards were very strict this weekend. And I think Kvyat might have gotten some for his um, brush with Alonso. Oh, again. It's his second Formula One race. You need to. I think you need to have a little bit of perspective. Uh, he just all he did there was outbreak himself. The Kvyat one just slightly outbreak himself. Alonso turned in and Kvyat went into the side of him. I, I, he, Plus, Alonso took a very wide line. I'm sure yeah, exactly. if you were... A... And, it was, and it was in the wet as well. Which you need to take that kind of thing into consideration. Yeah. Um, I think you have to, that's, that's not the way I would be doing it if it was me in charge. No. Um, so that was... That kind of went off in the first four or five laps, really. Um, Kvyat was, was actually doing some quite good passing at this point, wasn't he? He was... He'd made his way up um, to 11th, I think, by about lap 6. Um, of course, we need to mention that Ricardo actually got past Vettel in the first opening laps. That's true, yes. Um, good uh, bit of uh, fair fighting from both drivers there, you know. Um, let it not be said that we don't um, point out when Vettel does something um, well or fairly or anything like that. Um, he waited for his chance and overtook him. Um, it was in the pits, really, actually, wasn't it? Didn't didn't, didn't overtake him on track, did he? No, no, yeah, I think Vettel passed him. Uh, did he? I, just... I wasn't drinking, I promise you. But I just... <laughs> oh, no, I think I'm talking rubbish. Yeah, it's me who's talking rubbish this time. 
Vettel passed him in the pits. Yeah, I'm, I was... Yeah, because he ended up... Because uh, when Ricardo came out, he was fighting with Alonso, wasn't he? Not Vettel. No, no, I think I'm. Th- I think I think I was right originally. God, we're getting it wrong today. I think. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Passed- he Daniel stopped first to cover Alonso in their battle to get out and stuff that allowed Sebastian Vettel to hit. I think only it was either a lap or two later, and he came out ahead. Are you sure? Because yes. I have here. It says here lap twelve. Ricardo's hanging on to his decorated teammate, just 1.8 seconds adrift. It was lap 14 that Vettel pitted, and yeah. Ricardo pitted on lap 13. Yeah, but and here it says lap 12, Lewis Hamilton leads from Rosberg and Vettel. So he must have passed him on track. <laughs> I'm sure he did, yeah, now that I think about it. This is what you get, FIA, for having 7 o'clock morning races. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um... So Vettel got past Ricardo then. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah. And then the pit stops took place, and it sort of all evened out with Lewis uh, just a cut above the rest at the top, just easing the gap out whenever he needed to. Rosberg just didn't have the pace to, to compete with Lewis this weekend. He couldn't, couldn't catch him in the slightest. And uh, Vettel was third again, though, kind of putting pressure on uh, he Rosberg, caught up, never he? really looked totally threatening. He got a bit close, uh, and then pretty much was forced to back off. I think that was generally what um, his race consisted of. Um, you all right, mate? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, my mate was on mute there. All oh, right, sorry. Just it... click the button by accident. It's okay, no worries. Just glanced down at the screen. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I was. A bit, I was actually. I was speaking there, <laughs> like, and I just heard you go, "Yeah, right." And I was like, "What's, what's happening?" <laughs> right, I'll, uh, I'll start my sentence again. You can, you can do it. What was yeah, yeah. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that I'll ever really had the pace over the course of the race distance to to truly threaten Rosberg. I think if push came to shove. Rosberg would have would have always had enough, and I think that was proven further on. Once the pit stops were out of the way, he, he did. He, he eased the gap. I think I think his engineer said we need about five seconds or something, and and Rosberg was more or less capable of of maintaining that when he needed to. So I don't think Vettel was ever in, no ever uh, going to really threaten. I got the feeling that Vettel was probably pushing it, and that the Mercedes were. Um giving what they needed to to maintain gaps and bits and pieces. Yeah, that definitely seemed to be the, uh, the impression I got. Um, speaking of pit stops, something that was uh, very definitely worth mentioning was the uh, first occurrence of the new five-second um, pit stop penalty. Yeah, I didn't, even know, to the stewards. I didn't even know this was an option until this weekend. Did that get mentioned over the winter? I must have just... It, it was, but they didn't really explain... The difference between that and the old ten-second stop-go penalty. Like originally, I thought I didn't realise that you were allowed to do a normal pit stop, but then just have an extra five seconds. Well, that's, that's the big difference, and that's, yeah, I, that, I, I, that really wasn't wasn't explained. I think in most of the other stuff over the winter, um, 
So yeah, the, the the rule seems to be that there are for certain punishments you'll I think probably still get the 10 second stop go without being able to do anything. Uh, but I think that's now been reserved for probably the worser worser the worst incidents that can take place and now most of the normal driving infractions will be taken care of by this 5 second stop go which can be taken at your next pit stop um, and literally you have to just pull in stop for 5 seconds and then the team gets to work on your car and go out so you can you don't lose um, the pit stop time but you do lose the 5 seconds and I believe that if you get your penalty after your last pit stop is taken they'll add five seconds onto your overall lap time oh okay yeah so it's five seconds basically to your time whichever way you choose to i like it i like it for minor offenses it, it's because a much uh, there is some things that you know a 20 second well, what what will equate to a 20 second penalty which is a drive-through or a stop a go. A longer, isn't it? Oh, the drive-through is... Drive-through is about 20, and then our stop-go will be, what, 30, probably, depending on the circuit. Well, I was going to say, most uh, most times they look at the pit stops, is usually about uh, sort of 20, 25 seconds. So if yeah. you're driving all the way down, it's probably about about that, because trying to lean down the pit lane, you're only losing an extra three seconds for stopping and changing in tyres these days. So, yeah. So 20, 25 seconds for a drive-through and, and at least 35 probably for a, a stop-go. Certainly depending on the circuit, yeah. So I like this. It's it's good for the very minor offences, which is... Well, the thing is that the old system ruined your race, didn't it? Yeah. If you had to go into the pits um, for something the way, that, you, yeah, that the was working on your car... Yeah, the yeah, it would definitely... That would be it, you know? Well, and it showed with... with um, Magnuson didn't it? He he came in for his penalty, served it, it put him back, um, but it didn't mean that he ended up at the back of the queue. He didn't end up behind the Marushas and the Caterhams and and what have you, the Salvers probably this this early in the season. Um, you know he was able to come back and and fight fight for points positions, which Absolutely. is what you want really. It's not you know. Yes, it should be a penalty. Yes, it should make your day harder. And yes, it will probably cost you points at the end of the day. But it shouldn't invalidate the whole entire reason you're out on track. That's, yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree, especially for an incident like Magnuson's, where it was very harsh to even be getting a penalty. The five-second rule there is probably the best the best solution. So I like it. And I just, I'm just surprised I didn't notice that it was in existence until this weekend. But... It'll be interesting to see how many more of them we get over the over the few weeks, and it'll be interesting to see what they deem serious enough to give a to give a full penalty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're up to about lap twenty one. Um, at which point, Valtteri Bottas passed uh, Danny Fiat uh, into eleventh, uh, which remarks an amazing comeback for Valtteri because he started eighteenth on the grid. Amazing that he managed to get through. The opening lap melee right at the back. Um, he had a phenomenal start, didn't he? I think he made six places on the first lap. Uh, he was he was well was up the grid by right away. He was in the hunt. Um, there was a message. Uh, I don't know if you if you caught it that um, the engineers told Lewis that they were just going to turn his car down a little bit, um, and that they would they'd done the same on Nico's car. 
Yeah, um, I seen that. I think the commentary made a a point of uh, pointing out that they were keen to ensure Lewis that it was all fair and fair play at Mercedes. Because uh, Lewis asked if there was anything else he could do to help save the car, and they said, "No, no, don't worry about it." Um, and the scary thing at that point was obviously that they were lapping like about half a second quicker than everybody else in the grid anyway. It's just like, oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> and they were already, like you say, they were already being pretty conservative. So I just, I think, I think we're absolutely right in our assumption that if the Mercs were under any sort of pressure, they could have, they had another gear to to slip into if they needed it. Yes, absolutely. Um, another, sorry. sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, and, and, you know, for the next few laps, it was, it was pretty pretty solid. The gaps were just maintained between uh, Hamilton in first, Rosberg second, and, and Sebastian in third. It, it was it was pretty pretty steady for, for a good while in the midfield there. It, it was, um, and I heard a lot of complaints about that online of, of people saying that um, start was good, ending was was okay uh, but the middle bit was was just boring um and they also things oh well it's all fuel saving and it's all the engines and all the bits and pieces but it's no it's not it's new engines the, the teams are not running those engines at full pace and they they're just not going to until at least halfway through the season when they can start to afford to take risks when they know that they've they've got the likelihood of having enough units to last in the That's season it. They've only got was it four, uh, five for the whole season yeah i mean so I mean, if what's the point of blowing up two engines in the just first? Aren't going to get that, are you? No, if you if you melt your engines in the first two races, when you get down to the last six races of the season, especially you've got one engine points, last six. It's like, well, I might as well not fucking turn up. There's no point. I can't, you know, I've got to run the engine at a fifth of its wear rate. It's just never gonna, never gonna get you near the front or anything like that. So, one man, one man who we haven't mentioned so far, and I feel we definitely should, is. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg just quietly going about his business in that Force India, always putting it in the right places, always driving the car to its absolute fullest, getting the getting the points that you know he should be getting in a car of a Force India's ability, and just doing a generally solid job. Qualifies it well, drives it well, keeps himself out of trouble, picks up the points that he should be getting. Another excellent job from Hulkenberg. Well, I think the interesting thing about about Hulkenberg's drive, other than how good it was, um, was that he quite very quietly went about being pretty much the only person that did a two stop strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made it work more or less. Uh, but it, what he certainly didn't do was lose anything from it. Um, no, he might that. have tried racing everybody on a three stop strategy, but I don't think he'd have been any better off. He, he wouldn't have been. I don't think he was ever really going to beat the Ferrari or. The Red Bull, um, and, you, and you're putting the risk of throwing a car like the Force India into those kind of situations where it's having to defend hard that you have your third stop and still kill your tyres anyway because you're having to um, weave and dive and do different things, you know, um, just to, to maintain your position behind other cars. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I like the strategy. Uh, it was worth the risk because I don't think he was ever under any real threat from behind. So it was worth giving it a giving it a roll of the dice and seeing what he could get. And in the end, it didn't improve himself. But like you say, it didn't lose any time either. It was, it was worth it and just a solid job from from, from everybody at that team there. So about halfway through the race, we were at uh, Hamilton first, leading by 
It's about um, eight or nine seconds generally around that point uh, from Rosberg. Vettel was hanging on between three to five seconds behind Rosberg, but never really getting closer than that. Um, Ricardo and Alonso were fairly close, uh, although not exactly racing. Hulkenberg was fairly lonely in sixth, as was Button in seventh. Um, and really it was Massa and Bottas that were kind of closer than every, anybody else on the track at that point uh, in eighth or ninth. It's interesting um, to note that around this time... Uh, it was actually revealed that once again, Danny Ricardo's sensor wasn't working. But this time, Red Bull had listened to the FIA and are going to comply with what the FIA had asked. Well, the interesting thing was that the whole thing absolutely failed. Um, yeah. So there was no... There certainly wasn't a grey area between, you know, can we use it or can't we use it? They literally couldn't use it. So... Um, they would have gone to their backup plan anyway, which was probably something based on their uh, fuel rail sensors that they, uh, they, they, I think they use for for taking measurements from anyway. But it just all the shit from Christian Horner saying, "Well, we don't really think it's a directive. We don't think that." It's just like, well, if you really thought that, you'd have done exactly the same thing. You wouldn't have bothered going asking the FIA or worked with the FIA on it. You'd have just gone, "Oh, sensors failed. We'll go to our readings." Don't need to go and tell Charlie Whiting. Don't need to do all these bits and pieces. But they did. They went mm. and asked the FIA and worked with the FIA. So either they think that it's a directive that they need to follow and that all their case in their appeal is a load of bullshit just meant to try and see if they can scrape some points back. Um, or they should have just, you know, said, no, that's, you know, we're going to stick with our sensor because we believe that's that's all right and we don't think we have to ask the FIA. It's just... Uh, it's just... Typical bullshit from... The Red Bull team and it, it's just I hate that kind of stuff I hated it when Ferrari did it back in the you know in the sort of 90s early 2000s when you know they kind of flagrantly wandered around doing their own thing um, and other teams have been guilty of exactly the same thing in the past it's not just those two teams but it's just it's the one thing I really hate about Formula One when people decide that it's uh, you know they would rather argue the toss about the rules than just stick with them and just putting their hands up. No, I, I understand and in general I do agree with you, especially especially when Christian Horner does it. <laughs> he seems to be extremely he, he's more annoying than most. Yeah. He's got a smug smug attitude about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we're getting up to sort of around lap thirty ish um at this point, like I say, everybody's Everybody's keeping their pace, keeping their engines, saving fuel here and there. Um, one of the very interesting things uh, they had on this uh, program, or at least the, on what I saw, was that there was a graphic for the percentage of the amount of fuel used. Oh, yeah, that was very, very cool. like I that. Really, really like that. That's, it's the new Kurz graphic, really, isn't it, there? Yeah. Last season, we it was who saved Kurz for this lap and what, what's that going to mean? Um and now it's like, ooh, who's who's chewing up their their fuel and stuff? And um, it's very interesting to note the differences between the Mercedes engines, the Ferrari engines, and the uh, the Renault engines. I was going to say the Renault engines looked quite thirsty. Thirsty is a good word to yes, probably um, how I would describe it as well. And the Williams were very seeming to be very frugal at that stage in the in the race, uh, almost. Yeah, they were all the way through, yeah. Better than the Mercs, I think, at, at that point. Um, anyway. 
Interesting also to note that Nico was using a little bit more than Lewis, clearly just didn't quite have the package that Lewis had this weekend and was forced to, to push that little bit harder. And I think part of it was that, um, you know, he had Vettel closer behind him than, than he was behind Lewis. Yeah. Um, so Lewis could afford to, you know, do the coasting and bits and pieces to save the thing, whereas I suspect that when Vettel got quite close behind him, he went, oh, okay, right, that's fine, we'll, we'll, we'll turn up the mix a bit. I can pull out a uh, you know a three or four second lead, um, and there's no way he'll catch up on that without burning twice as much fuel as I'm burning up to to get that. So, um, I, I think that had a lot to do with it. I think. Um, yeah, no, it, it makes absolute logical sense. Uh, this is also about the point in the race where we started to hear. Um, about a few spots of rain on one side of the track. Um, and that yeah. didn't turn out to be anything at all. It was um, kind of strange. There was one, there was one good, uh, good radio message from Vettel saying that Rosberg was losing oil at the back of his car. Brundle was just like, sure it isn't rain, Sebastian? <laughs> and his engineer said the same thing. He says, it is raining in these two turns. Do you, do you think it could have been that? Vettel was very silent on his... <laughs> His response, quite possibly, after feeling a little silly for saying it. Yeah. At that point, I was thinking, yeah, let it rain. Just completely mix it up with 20 laps to go. That would be brilliant. But then it just didn't come. Badly. And fucking David Croft was saying, oh, we don't want rain. It'll, uh, we want to keep this dry. I'm thinking, no, of course we want rain. If it's dry, it finishes the way it is. Yes. And it did. You know, if it's dry, nothing changes, and you just drive to the line, and that's it. So, I can't understand why you wouldn't want rain in a situation like that. Croft, Crofty does that quite often. He quite a lot of the time says, oh, no, we don't want rain. Of course we want rain. I always want rain. <laughs> yes. Or he says, oh, well, we don't want to see that kind of thing happening in Formula 1. Think, no, we want to see lots more of that. That's interesting, Formula 1. Don't say we don't, you know. Don't want to Same see a safety car. We don't want a safety car. Yes, yes, yes we do. We want more safety cars. Safety cars are awesome. We don't want them out for very long, but you know, we do want to see them when it resets the race and makes things interesting. Um, I like Crofty quite a lot in general, but some of the things he says like that, I'm just no, you're not. Right there, he he has the uh, Murray Walker about his comments like that. I think <laughs> he's a tendency to start on a road that even he gets halfway through talking about and thinks I didn't. Didn't really want to say any of this, but now I've started to feel this, you know, this dead air, I'm going to have to finish. So we, uh, we're going to the lap 40s, and, you know, as I say, the rain doesn't seem to come, and it's pretty much as you were for, oh, yeah, up until around lap 44, when um, Mr. Daniel Ricciardo's uh, Bad luck started to begin and uh, didn't really end. <laughs> yes, he uh, he pretty much channeled all of Mark Webber last season into excellent about, <laughs> about five laps it seemed. Um, so yes, Daniel comes into the pits. He's doing very well, and it looked like it was uh, probably on for a Red Bull three four at that point. Um, front left tire doesn't go on. Um, I was looking at the replays. Could you? Did it because they've got this the traffic light system, which it I think they should do me. away with. It looked to me as if Ricardo went before it was green. Yeah, but it did go green. Like after it? he left, it was definitely green. Right. Um, but the wheel jack guy never raised his hand. 
And they all raised their hand to say, yes, I've put it on. So I don't know whether it's like Ricardo stopped for going early. Um, did the Jack, did not the Jack guy, sorry, did the wheel guy in trying to put his other, you know, thing down um, and possibly go for another one. Um, press the wrong button and stuff and make it seem like he could go. I don't know. It's a simple answer to that. But um, it definitely went green after it, uh, at least whilst he was moving. So I think something happened anyway, somewhere. Um, he gets about halfway down the pit lane, which I was quite surprised about because you'd have thought the feeling in their car without one wheel yeah, attached would have... And that, cost them, that pretty much cost them the race because it took them so long to wheel the car back up. Well, and uh, that was the other thing is that... that the guy, the front wheel guy was there saying, no, it's not on, but like... Surely somebody's in his ear going, Ricardo, Ricardo, it's... Well, it the is, wheel's not on. The other thing was is that it seemed to take an absolute age for anybody from Rebel to run down and actually start pushing him back. Yeah. Like, everybody went, oh, right, wheel's not on. Which, you know, if that was Vettel, you know, yeah. all I'd say is they'd be on top of that like a, like a flash. Um, on top of that, as they were pushing him back... Um, I've seen a few guesses at what happened um, because he came out of the pits and then within a lap, his front wing f fell off, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it that's was another a, very strange incident. Well, this is, very strange incident. Yeah. Um, it actually broke at the struts underneath the nose. It wasn't that um, it sort of fell off at the bottom bit. It was actually the top bit where the, the wing connects to the... Um, a uh, bit after the cock the balls of the nose I guess you could probably call that um, <laughs> the oh, let's continue this nose. analogy yes. uh, <laughs> um, a lot of people seem to think because there was a guy pushing the car literally on the front nose uh, as they were pushing it back uh, and a lot of people have pointed that out and said oh, it must have been this guy must have pressed too hard and then I don't think you could break a carbon fiber. No, no and I, I don't think so. But what did happen was when they got him back to pretty much the pit box, um, a guy who I don't think is the actual front jack guy slid the jack under and started to lift the car up. At which point, then somebody obviously said something because they then wheeled the car back a few more feet for some reason with the front jack still attached. And that's what I think did it. I think all the pressure was on the on the nose, and then they moved the car whilst the thing was on its front jack, which is clearly not designed to do. The car's obviously yeah. got to be stationary for that to not do any damage and lift it up. So I think that's what it has. So it's uh, it's whoever decided in their infinite wisdom to to jack the car up to to change the tire um, when it wasn't in position, and or the person who decided that they had to roll the car back an extra foot just to put on the tyre and therefore buggered the nose. I hadn't noticed that about about the jack, but that does sound like, you know, it's it's going to, it's not going to be exactly in the car's best interest, shall we say. So, yeah, that, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all if that's, that's where it's happened. Scary for Ricardo, though, because he was going through a lot of speed when it, when it buckled off. So, you know, they can slide right under and cause a big accident. Mm. They got away with one. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I suppose that's the best thing about everything that happened to him. Because um, a lap later, he got a 10-second stop-go penalty for the unsafe release. 
Yeah, that's um, interesting after I was talking about what constitutes a 5 second, what constitutes a 10 second. I think Brundle mentioned in commentary that t- unsafe release is blanket, 10 second stop go regardless, you know. Which yeah. it should be, it's yeah. one of the worst things you can do really. Um, There's no excuse for it if you're just, you know, panicking no. <laughs> at the end of the day. The car's stationary, you don't have to let it go. Like, it's in their control. All I need to do is be vigilant and, you know. I mean, obviously they're trying to save as many, as many tenths of a second as they possibly can in the pit lane, but you'd sacrifice half a second to not lose 30 seconds with a 10 second stop and go. Well, isn't that what Williams did last season? You know, they, they came up with this great new nut... Um, of course, because they kept losing tires, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. uh, and they kept getting penalised for it. And in the end, what they said, well, we'll go back to, we'll do this design, which is much safer, but it, it's going to be slower to put on. Um, and they, they took the penalty because it just wasn't worth the fucking wheels falling off the car. Yeah, no, quite, yeah. It's, I mean, it's what, like we've already discussed this evening. It's 30 to 35 seconds for a stop-and-go penalty. So, you know, <laughs> lose those couple of tenths if you have to. It's not going to wreck your race. No. Um, but we also found out that now, uh, if you do an unsafe release, you get a 10 grid penalty for the next race as well. So you lose your 35 seconds in the pits and your (laughs) for the next race on top of that. Poor Ricardo is ruined his Malaysian Grand Prix and he's going to have a difficult one in Bahrain because Bahrain, as we know, not exactly a passer's paradise. It it really isn't. Ricardo's going to have his work out there. I, I'm not sure about the 10 second, uh, the, sorry, the, the 10 place grid penalty. I think 10 second stop go in the race it's involved in is probably enough. Well, absolutely. I, I, or, or it should be one or t'other. Yeah. So either go, this has happened, you know, in the last into the race. Um, so we'll impose a 10 second or we say it's the first round of pit stops, therefore a 10 second go is... Um, is more appropriate because you've got a chance of making it up in the race. Um, or they could say if it's in the last third of the race or last quarter of the race, then it's a 10 second, a 10 place grid penalty. And you end up with the same kind of punishment then. Um, but both just seems... Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, I get... Uh, I, I can understand why. Because it, it will stop teams doing it, you know. Rebel are not going to do that again. They're going to come up with a better system that means that they can't drive off without the wheels all attached. <laughs> um, so in the end, poor Danny Ricardo. He was a pulls, lap down. Throws it into the throws uh, it into the garage and calls it a day, probably rightly so. Uh, very very sensible. Saves the engine and things. So all the lead drivers they come in for their final stops, Lewis. Absolutely zero pressure on the Mercedes boys up front. Comes in, leads the race. Nico comes in, comfortably ahead of Sebastian Vettel, who also pits. And that's one, two, and three, as you were for most of the race. The interesting action was further down the field. Mm. Uh, we had a couple of fights going on. You had um, Hulkenberg on his uh, adventurous two-stop strategy, trying to hold off Alonso. And... Quite an interesting little battle between the two Williams drivers that I'm sure we'll discuss because... Well, indeed. Well, it all started off before the pit stops, really, didn't it? Because um, Massa gained really very quickly on Jensen Button. Um, 
and they had a ding dong battle through about three or four corners at the start of one of the laps. Massa, Massa should have had him. I was disappointed driving from Massa. He clearly had the the speed underneath him, I think, to do, but and, and he didn't take his chance. And you have to say, I think if that was a young, hungrier driver, they'd have been through there. And I love Massa, but he should have taken that chance. Yeah, it, it's a difficult one. Um, there was one point where I definitely thought it, it, he can't lose this now. and it, um, I don't know whether it was that he thought he got it done and then was very surprised that Jensen hung in around the outside of like turn three, I think it was where you wouldn't expect somebody to bother. They've usually all given up by that point. Um, and then, um, you know, he came around and then surprised him, I think, by coming through in a different place. Um, he that, couldn't get it done at the end of the day. And yeah, if, if he'd done it, we'd not be talking about the next nope. issue. Because poor <laughs> Felipe... <laughs> <laughs> Up cruise he's Valtteri Bottas on uh, two two laps younger tyres, which isn't an awful lot, but will obviously give you a bit a bit of something, but not not nothing major. And well, you want to take it from here, Felipe? Valtteri is faster than you. <laughs> uh, I can't well, believe they used exactly the same yeah. words as well. That's oh. just like. And Rob Smedley's there now, in charge of the engineering at Williams. So, you'd think he would have had some sort of input to not, to try and not let that happen. But, I mean, Bottas was quicker, but, and this is where I'm, I'm supposed to have a debate here. Do you think Felipe should have let Bottas through? Yes. You think he should have? Well, absolutely, because the team told him to, and the team pay his wages and give him a race car to drive it's not for the drivers to question the team and it really shouldn't be whoever you are whether you're Sebastian Vettel Michael Schumacher your job is to go out there and drive the car as best as you can but it's the team that give you the car to, to put it out there and if the team thinks that your teammate behind you has a better chance of overtaking the person in front of you then um, um You've got to do it. It sucks. Absolutely. In general, sucks, in general I do agree. I just I just wonder, I would not be at all surprised if Massa has in his contract some sort of I am the number one driver kind of statement. But that doesn't really matter. Yeah, that, but, only, that only means he gets preferential treatment in terms of the first choice of practicing and testing and all the other bits and pieces, though, doesn't it? If the team... You know, still want you to pull over just because you're the number one driver. You still do it, don't you? I'm a bit in two minds. It's a bit like I don't know. It's a bit I'm like a, if, if I uh, went out on work with my boss to do a, a software install, um, and my boss's boss phoned up and said, "Andy's boss, um, we want Andy to do the install for whatever reason it is." Yes, we know he doesn't know much, as much about the product as you do, but um, we think he needs to do it. And then the other person going, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, I understand. And like I say, in general, I do agree with you. It's just in my, you know, my, my heart says, let them race at all times. And at the, at the end of the day, 
if Bottas was that quick enough to pass Button, he should have been able to pass Massa. Well, you say that, but it all depends on whether, at the time, if Felipe had let him through, maybe he would have. No, I know. It's but, all by the time he, but, but by the time he's had to follow Felipe around for three laps of assuming he's going to get past and then doesn't, Tires have either cooled down or it's you know they've degraded more or all the other bits so, and pieces. It's all herbs and butts, but like just at the end of the day, I'm I'm a big fan of letting teammates just go at it and seeing a good inter-teammate battle. But the interesting, the, sorry mate. No, it's just like yeah, there's something you don't see a lot of teammates actually going at it these days. So to me, that was nice just to see that. You see Massa saying, you know, if he wants to get past me, let him let him try. And obviously he didn't manage it. Like I, I just like I liked to see that as a as a fan. You know, as, I'm 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 talking as a fan here. So as a, you know, if I was if I was thinking about it from a team perspective, yeah, Massa should have let him through. But you no, know, as a fan, I'm glad he didn't because I like to see the a team rivalry and see let's see what Blas can do against the older guy. You know what I'm saying? But it's not it's not a fair fight. It's no different than multi twenty one. In the Valtteri's coming up in this sort of Mark Webber position, in, in in essence, in that he's been told something is going to happen, and then it doesn't. So all the preparation and setup and all the things that you've been doing in, uh, over the last few laps to get yourself in this in this position and ready to do whatever it needs to do is ruined because your teammate decides that they're not going to do, they're not going to play ball. That's really unfair on Valtteri. Just because Massa didn't want to get past, just because Massa decided he was. He was going to make it difficult for his teammate and ignore team orders. That's not fair on Valtteri, who was only doing what the team had asked him to do. Um, yeah. And the I other thought. thing was that in in interviews afterwards, they said if Valtteri had gotten past Button and then Felipe had also managed to get past Jensen, they'd have swapped them around again. So Felipe would have still finished first, so long as he still got his overtake on Jensen done. They just wanted to try and get Valtteri through whilst they thought he had a much better chance of doing it. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just. Uh... I just. I, I, and I'm. I'm not really arguing with you. It's just <laughs> that um, I've seen a lot of people saying it's a really. Uh, they think it's fabulous that that drivers don't listen to their teams, and I think that's 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 bullshit, really. Because because they, they pay the wages. They give them the car. Do you know what I mean? If you if you want to drive a Formula One car the way you want to drive it, own a fucking team and, and drive the car yourself. I completely agree with you, but like, I do, I'm not a team boss. I'm a guy watching it on the telly, and uh, a driver saying, fuck you to his team, I'm going to race my teammate, is good telly. Do you know so. what, there's, there's, a really good, <laughs> there's a really good analogy here, actually, uh, and but only if you're a pro wrestling fan. It's the difference between being somebody who says, I want to see um, Wrestler X win because I like him, and somebody else saying, well, there's no point in Wrestler X winning because he isn't a draw. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it is, pretty much. And I'm, If you told I'm, me you wanted to see Zack Ryder in the WrestleMania main event because you love Zack Ryder, I'd still probably argue that it's not the best thing, you know, for the WWE or, or, or whatever. And I would respond in the exact same way. I would say, yeah, if I was the owner of WWE, I wouldn't put Zack Ryder in the main event. But I'm a guy watching it on the telly, and I want to see him in the main event because <laughs> I think that makes good telly. It's, it's a great analogy, and... I'm very much firmly in the camp of I'm just a guy sitting on my couch and I want to see what's ever, whatever's entertaining. And to me, Felipe going, oh, fuck you, I'm going to race him, was entertaining. Oh, so. it was entertaining, absolutely. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. 
Um, <laughs> and he was very his reactions in the to the interviews. I think would have that been... added to it. That added to the entertainment. Felipe coming out and just going oh. absolutely no, no, and I and I can't argue with that. It was certainly a great talking point and um, had an interesting part to the end of the race, which probably would have otherwise been fairly anticlimactic. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it would have it would have been very anticlimactic without that because, like I say, a couple of times now, Lewis just different class, very impressive drive. Obviously, he's got the best car underneath him. We all know that, but he still got to take it from from the lights to the flag, and he was pretty much faultless. I don't think I've seen him make any errors really. It was one of his best drives in a good couple of years. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that that was the race. Uh, Lewis wins very comfortably. Nico wins pretty comfortably. Uh, Vettel has a very comfortable uh, third place. Alonso drives to a very good fourth place. Um, yeah, just to be word on Ferrari because we haven't really mentioned them. Kimi obviously got tagged by Magnussen. He dropped all the way back. I thought he was going to manage to drag that Ferrari around for a point at one stage, but he didn't quite manage it. But his floor was damaged, so I yeah. think his aero was pretty fucked. And this is a, a big aero circuit. So. It was still it was still a decent enough drive to get it where it was. Quite well, fun. absolutely. If you're going to loop around a circuit like this. Fernando pleased me this weekend. Very impressive. Did he? Dirty bastard. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think he got the best out of the car. Can't really ask for much more. I still want to see more improvement from Ferrari. But... Mm. Given the uh, the doomsday predictions that I was making last week about their pace and thinking they were going to become an eighth and ninth and tenth, I'll be I'll, I'm reasonably satisfied at this stage. So I, I want uh, if they can properly challenge the Red Bulls. The Mercedes is just going to be a bit too quick for another wee while yet. But if we can properly get Ferrari challenging the Red Bull, that's a decent enough position right now for me. Yeah. Uh, fifth was Hulkenberg, as as mentioned. The uh, I'm pretty sure he was the only guy. To do two stops, um, so I'm aware here. Yeah. Uh, amazing job, really, um, because Stop he drive. Drive. Uh, he was comfortably ahead of Button as well. Um, he never looked like falling back into the, the clutches of the Williams or the uh, McLaren. For all the hype that the McLaren and the Williams have been getting in pre-season because they have the Mercedes engine, the Force India was comfortable. It wasn't under any pressure at all from the those cars. So. This is something I kind of wanted to talk about in terms of, of, of F1 news because there's been some mentions of this. Uh, so I'll save it until then. But it, um, the, it becomes very interesting when you consider what Force India were, have previously been known for um, as a low downforce team compared to now. Um, but we'll cover that in, in some some sense when we do a quick quick wrap up of the of the latest news. I think. Yeah. Um, so sixth was Button who had a pretty unremarkable race. Um, Very unremarkable. Just, just hung in there. Just was there, yeah. Best of the rest in a lot of ways. Um, Massa finished ahead of Bottas, controversially. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a, a decent, I think, a decent result for Williams, really. Certainly um, better than... It's good. They got double points finished, so they'll be happy with that. I think. Uh, you know, both cars finished. That's got to be a thing. It's more mileage, more more knowledge. At the end of the day, they'll be targeting top six, I think. But seventh and eighth just now is pretty decent. Young Kevin Magnussen was uh, ninth after dragging himself back after that uh, penalty. Another good drive, yeah, especially after the penalty. I've said it a couple of times now, he continues to impress me, does Magnussen. So. I was 
I was also very impressed with him after the race because he immediately came out and said, um, I'm really sorry, fault. it was my fault. Um, yeah, it was good. I made yeah, a mistake. Was... I, um, I will learn from it and it won't happen again. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's pretty... Yeah, very mature for a guy such a young age. Yes. Uh, because it's not in the nature of a Formula 1 driver generally to admit that it was their fault. Yep. And uh, another youngster finished in 10th. Another man who I've been very impressed with was Piat. Uh, Indeed. It was one of my favourite tweets this weekend was from Bad F1 Stats, um, who if you're not following them right now, you absolutely have to, uh, which was uh, Danny Kvyat failed to beat his record of being the youngest point scorer scoring <laughs> Formula 1 this week. By a week. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, it was brilliant. Love that. Yeah, he's been very. I mean, Hanga mentioned this somewhere else, but that Toro Rosso isn't exactly lightning quick. It's not the best car on the circuit, but he's got two points finishes in his first two races. So yeah, I, I, th yeah. I think the Toro Rosso is a lot better than it was last season. Um, for I whatever hope. reason, um, but it, yeah. This, that's still a very good return, I think. On well, how many did Jeff score points in Melbourne? Um, I don't think so. No, he didn't, did he? Finished so, outside, I think. Yeah, has two points finishes so far to Jeff's none, and Jeff's the guy who's been in the car for three years. So, mm. uh, does that say more about yeah or John Van? We'll wait and see. Indeed. Uh, so outside of the points, we had Grosjean uh, amazingly in 11th. I cannot believe he finished the race. <laughs> and, um, it, it is kind of amazing. Um, and I think Lotus are going to take a lot of heart from, you yeah. know, within... He looked reasonably quickish. He had moments, uh, didn't he, I think. Yeah. Where he... I mean, like you say, he finished 11th. He's battling at least on par with the Toro Rossos and, you know... That kind of that kind of level, the Sauber's. He finished ahead of the Sauber's. So, given where Lotus were two weeks ago, you have to say, oh, okay, that's pretty decent. Twelfth mm. was uh, Kimi Räikkönen, as discussed, uh, had a very early incident in the race, um, which caused the the tire basically ripped apart his um, under tray um, wooden plank, whatever the hell it is, which. Affected his arrow in a myriad of ways. Um, sorry, Sean, I think you muted your mic. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I think he got what he could out of a broken Ferrari, which is kind of fair enough. I thought he was going to get a point. I really did. And at the end, at the end I was kind of disappointed he didn't. But, you know, he can't blame Kimi here. He, he did the best he could. Uh, 13th was Kamui Kobayashi, who looked very, very pacey. Um, yeah, that's true. Race. He was he was running right up there in 11th for a while. and uh, He was not I, making life easy for people yeah. coming up behind him, who I think were expecting to breeze past him. And um, Yeah, he, he stuck his elbows out and braced classic, for his position. Classic Kamui, yeah. Uh, and that's really nice to see. Um, it, it's nice to see that that Caterham have paid, for, well, they're not paid actually, are they? Because he's driving for free. But they've they've got somebody in with experience, but who's racy, and it, it's you know sort of paid dividends for them. Yeah, I think it's a good appointment, definitely. Fourteenth was uh, Marcus Ericsson. Um, unspectacular. Uh, and speaking of unspectacular, 
in the final place, number 15, Max Chilton. <laughs> yes, unspectacular is the best description of Max. Just so, so far. <laughs> um, DNFs. Uh, Ricardo retired, uh, presumably to save his engine. I wasn't sure whether they were allowed to do that. I thought they had to. They could only retire if there was actually a problem. They couldn't just say, ah, oh, fuck it, I won't bother. I thought they had to. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure they could if they really wanted to invent a problem. Mm. Maybe it's about... Um, maybe that was uh, gearboxes, I can't remember. Anyway. Um, Gutierrez and Suttle in the Salvers. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that, did we? Um, no. Both stopped within a lap of one another. Yeah, they were just very uneventful. And then... Finished. Did yeah. badly, finished, not at all. Uh, Jev retired. Um, I can't remember what that was for. Um, might have been energy recovery related. Uh, Bianchi retired, um, I think partially down to the damage that he'd uh, received as well. Um, Maldonado obviously was <laughs> clouted in the first lap and definitely didn't go anywhere. Uh, and of course, uh, Perez... Uh, He's not technically not a DNF, he's a DNS, did not start. Interesting to know about Maldonado is he didn't actually retire because of the damage on the car. Oh, really? Oh, he retired, it was an engine problem, yeah. Oh, well, that is interesting. He had damage on the car, but it was, he still kept going for a couple of laps, and then he had an engine problem, so... Lotus still, as much as Grosjean got to the end, they still have, obviously, a few gremlins regarding their, their engine and power stuff. Hmm. Okay. Well, so that's, that's that the Malaysian that. Grand Prix, yeah. really, wasn't it, all in all? Um, Overall, what did you think? Marks out of 10? Marks out of 10, oh, uh, 6. Yeah, probably a 6 is a pretty fair reflection. It wasn't it's, terrible. It kept you more or less interested throughout, but there was, it became middle stint was obvious about what was happening, yeah. The middle stint was particularly unremarkable. Um but uh, the start was the start was good. And there was a lot of good racing there, and there was some decent racing at the end as people were either defending or trying to make positions on different uh, classic, strategies. Classic F1 um, for the last uh, many years. Uh, it's a bit quiet up front, but some good racing if you look for it down the field. Yes, um, it was a typical Malaysian Grand Prix, really, all in all. Um, without the rain. Without the rain, yes. It's probably rained more often than not there. But, um, Driver of the day? Um, I'm temp I've got a couple of candidates. I want to give it to Kvyat, but I'm not. And Hulkenberg to get it, but I'm not. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to have to give it to Lewis. Paul, he didn't make any mistakes. He drove took pole, never looked like losing, was never out of the lead. Managed all his gaps perfectly, had absolutely no issues with fuel or power or anything, and just just did his thing and, and took it home and never had any, any trouble. So you gotta, got to give it to Lewis. Yeah, I'm afraid uh, I, can't, um, I can't really argue with that one. Um, there's sometimes you can give it to people lower down the field when they do something really amazing, but nobody did anything really amazing. Yeah. You know, Hulkenberg did very well. Um, uh, you know, and Kvyat did well, and, and Magnussen did well to recover from what happened to him and all those bits and pieces. But Lewis was just so imperious from from lap one all the way through. Didn't look like he ever had to break a sweat, uh, even at Malaysia, where they obviously do. Um, 
So yeah, def definitely my driver of the day. Um, yep, I agree. Yeah. Idiot of the day. Um, <laughs> it's probably a few of them. Uh, idiot of the day. Actually, there's maybe not as many as, as I thought there would be upon upon uh, first reflection. You might even have to give it to Marsa for ignoring the video. Uh, I guess the idiot of the day is um, probably uh, Ricardo's front front left wheel guy. The, I was thinking of saying him. I was looking for a, looking for a driver specifically, but all of the uh, all of the incidents, I can make a case for being not 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 as harsh as the, as they were punished. So like Magnussen was harsh penalty. Uh, Vern and Bianchi and Maldonado's incident at the start, it was the start first lap, don't want to give it to any of them, it's a difficult job to do. Yeah, I, <laughs> idiot of the day is maybe the wrong term, epic fail of the day is probably sour for just yes, that's not, not turning up, <laughs> like just nothing, no no pace either. Even if they'd finished the race, they probably would have finished in what, 13th, 14th, something like that, like just they completely lack any sort of package, which is... Surprising though, because they've been pretty decent the last couple of seasons. They've had a bit of pace about them, scoring points, putting in good drives, but I don't know, you kind of expected this with putting Sotel as the lead driver, didn't you? You don't, you don't really rate Sotel, so... Yeah, uh, they, they're, they're, they're probably, what, the worst out of the teams that aren't catering in Russia right now. And, well, they're counting Lotus, I suppose, they might rival into that, but... But the thing about the Lotus is, if you get the Lotus uh, reliability in check, they'll be quicker than the Sauber. Oh, yeah. I so, don't think there's any doubt about that, really, is there? No, none at all in my eyes. So, yeah, bad bad times ahead for Sauber. They need to up their game. Excellent. Well, I think that, that wraps up our, um, our review of Malaysia. So let's just dive in quickly to the Formula One news. Final lap podcast news. Coming out of the um, the Malaysian Grand Prix was pretty much everybody other than Mercedes saying we need to do a bit better, um, which is probably the understate of the season, really. Everything all the Mercedes drivers said. Nico said that after Melbourne, and Lewis said that after Malaysia. They've just both said. What a car, basically. Mm. What a great car. <laughs> and you really can't argue with that at this stage. Um, interestingly, both Williams and McLaren have said that um, Malaysia is a track that does not suit their cars. Uh, and they expect to see more Australian-like results um, in the circuits that don't have high-speed corners or are less reliant on high-speed corners, which... Is not Malaysia. Malaysia is a lot of uh, a lot more high-speed corners than most, um, and that's why I was mentioning earlier about Hulkenberg in the Force India, because obviously traditionally their best tracks were places like Spa or Monza, where there wasn't any, you know, the downforce is negligible. You know, it's all about the grunt you get from the engines, uh, and that's what they're doing. So it's interesting to see that Force India were actually in a in a position where on a track that. Uh, requires a better aero package actually able to outperform two very you know 
skilled, long-standing Formula One teams. Um, yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah, a, a, a large turnaround in, in in fortune, and I, you wonder where that comes from because I haven't heard very much comings or goings from Force India. More goings, really, than than anything else. So um, certainly to be outperforming both of them, you may be expecting to get in ahead of one here and there, but they they were so comprehensively. A better package this weekend, certainly in Hulkenberg's hands. Who knows what Perez might have done? That would have been really interesting to see if Perez had been right up there mm. as well. But certainly in Hulkenberg's hands, they were just they just the better package, more grip, more pace. Never looked under any any doubt. No, absolutely not. Um, interestingly, again, uh, Eric Boulier and Jensen Button have both said that actually the McLaren was better than it was in Australia. It just you couldn't see the um, you couldn't see the difference. So, you know, it, a lot of people were making fun of Ron Dennis saying that the McLaren would be 0.5 seconds quicker. It might well have been, but well, nobody noticed. <laughs> you can't tell when everybody else is either doing I mentioned much that last week or, is that everybody else would also be improving. You know, like I said that last week on last week's show. Like, oh, good, McLaren's 0.5 seconds quicker, but whatever everybody else is, then. You're not really not point five seconds quicker, are you? You're the same. Um, Lotus have said that they can rival the uh, top ten regulars like McLaren and Williams and stuff. Um, I would assume that uh, Grosjean's eleventh place probably gives them some hope that that's actually a realistic possibility. If they, I can't see them doing that before mid-season. So if they get reliability, I think the car will be quick. I just mentioned that a minute ago. I think it will be. It's just when, are they, when is the reliability going to come? Because that could that could be a while. It's, it's much harder to make a a quick. No, I'm getting that the wrong way about. Don't listen to me. But um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's, yeah. No. But I do like. I do think they will be decent. I think they'll be semi-regular point scorers. I think they'll be on par with with certainly eighth, ninth, tenth. Yeah, yeah, that would. I I can see them certainly closing in on the sort of Toro Rossos of the world. Um, I think if they get the car reliable, they'll be quicker than the Toro Rosso quite quickly. I think and there's a, there's a definite possibility in that. I think the problem that, that that I would see is that the Lotus, I think, in previous seasons has had good aero packages, and this season, um, it would appear that they probably don't. No. Um, so whether whether they've got a lot more to work on than, say, a Red Bull has. Uh, I I don't know. But they, they should be able to do something about it, I think, with the the resources that I think they should be able to, to, to pull, potentially. Yep, they should. Well, whether they do it will, remains to be seen, but they should. Um, two of F1's rookies are going to get some uh, running at um, Bahrain. Actually, three, I think, I believe. Um Guido van der Gaard is going to get a run out in the uh, Sauber, which he's probably not all that excited about at this point, since he's <laughs> get three laps out of it. Robin Frings will take uh, a session for Caterham. Um, and I'm sure I heard somewhere that Sergei Sorokin was um, going to get a run out somewhere, although I can't find the article I was reading that in. Um... Uh, no, I can't. 
I, I had read it somewhere that, anyway. You may probably know better than me. It might have been a Twitter post, so <laughs> a, a great source to rely on, certainly. <laughs> yeah, right. that's certainly true. Um, and probably the biggest story um, rumbling on from Australia and still rumbling on now is the uh, sensor gate. Doesn't seem to be going away. I'm Sadly. sick of hearing about it, quite frankly. Um, most commentators noting that there's been a lot of public response um, from both Red Bull and the FIA on this one. That the FIA are coming out and making their positions on things very clear from the start. Um, and also hinting that perhaps Sebastian Vettel's comments, his uh, four-letter comment about the sound of the engines was potentially something that could come back to haunt them. Um in terms of the FIA charging with bringing the sport into disrepute or uh, uh, or similar, um. I I read uh, an article similar to that. Uh, it was pointing out that Max Mosley used to use that quite often as a way of keeping them in check. I, I hope I hope either A Vettel doesn't get fined or B. He does get fined and comes out and says he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll give him that. That um, would endear me a lot. I mean, if he did say that because I like that. I like I like people who just speak their mind. So if Vettel does end up in trouble and comes out and and quite clearly gives none of the fucks, then that would be pretty pretty cool for me. Uh, the interesting thing is Christian Horner. Um, said that um, he wouldn't censor either of his drivers. I think it'll be quite interesting to come to, to see if he sticks to that um, when one of them says something um, not too complimentary about Red Bull. Well, that's it, yeah. And Prost moment. It'll be when... <laughs> whenever it suits Christian Horner, well, is when the rules will be moved. Uh, and that pretty much wraps up the news, it was kind of a slow news week, really, in, in terms of this. As, as well, it often is between when you've got two five days between back, the three weekends, so and the teams are just getting up and going to Bahrain and then unpacking and getting ready to go again, so I don't have any time to be going about making news. <laughs> no, indeed. So next, uh, this or this weekend's, I should say, um, Grand Prix is um, Bahrain. Uh, not one of our favourite tracks, it has to be said. Um, and we're going to play the um, Image Association game that we started last week. What does the Bahrain track look like? Um, I am going for a man shaking his fist at the sky. With a very big chin. I'm going to have a look just now at the, the circuit layout. Ah, yes. It... It, I think it looks like an animal. I'm not sure what animal yet, but the, the top right-hand section is the tail, and the left-hand section is the face, with the... Uh, there's like a beak, and then the straight and the back straight, uh, it's like torso and back. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> you, see what, you see what I'm getting at? No. 
That's Tell you what, that's I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, gonna get Microsoft Paint open. There'll be drawing. I'll show you exactly what. Uh, I'm. Please, <laughs> please tweet that so that we uh, we can see that. Um, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it my mission every week between shows to to get get on get, get on the computer and do a wee sketch. <laughs> Brilliant. This is what we're going for this week. <laughs> I, I, I can see it. I can see it in my mind. And I, I, wish, I wish you just could see what's in my brain right now. <laughs> but having said all that, it doesn't make the track any. Uh, it won't make the track any more interesting from a Formula One perspective. No, um, never been a particularly good one. Um, hopefully, maybe this year where. A lot more of the teams are a bit more equal. It'll lead to a bit more racing because um, Australia was quite racy, and that's not always been the, um, the biggest overtaking track in in, in Formula One. Um, but it was okay this year. Um, well, it was very good this year, I should say. So you know, maybe maybe we can hold out some hope. Um, and in fact, I won't be the man shaking his fist at the sky when it turns out to be incredibly dull for three hours on a Sunday um, any predictions beyond a Mercedes victory no not really unfortunately I say unfortunately I like Mercedes victories but unfortunately for the for the neutral that wants to see uh, an absolutely epic battle up the front I can't really see it I think I think it'll be a 1-2 if both cars finish I'm not prepared to say what order Probably 60-40 in favour of Lewis, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the two Mercedes will be out front and it'll be the battle for third. I hope that Alonso can, or even Kimi, but I hope that either of the Ferraris can can get the pressure on the Red Bull, that would be great. Interesting to see what Williams and McLaren do as well, but I don't think it'll be massively different running order to what we've seen in Malaysia. Just with such a short time between tracks, can't see there being much of a difference. I think the Red Bull might go back the way slightly. Might drift further away from the Mercedes and become closer to the Ferrari. But other than that, I don't think there'll be much different. What do you think? Uh, no, I'm, I, 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 I mean it's everything past one and two, and that uh, so long as the you know Mercedes don't explode on the way to the grid, really. Um, I think Red Bull will probably find this race harder. I think the McLaren and the Williams probably will find it easier. Um, it will be interesting to see what the midfield, other midfield teams do. Whether it, um, we find out that um, there's strength in some of the other cars that we hitherto haven't seen. Whether you know, will the Force Indias maintain that the kind of performance they had last that's, week? Will that's the interesting one for me is to see what the Force India can do. If the Force India can again finish ahead of McLaren and Williams, then we have to start, you know, looking at them as a long-term sort of contender for that position. Yes, um, it'll be interesting to see if the Lotus make any strides this week. Um, that too, of course, yeah. Whether the Toro Rossos can move back towards the front of the grid, where they kind of were in Australia. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with the Salbers. Um, Will that be a one-off, and they'll they'll come back and be absolutely fine this coming week, or will we? I have, a, I have a bad feeling for Cyber that they're going to be the third team. I have the bad feeling that what what's happened is that really 
there's lots of Merc engines out there, so it's getting a lot of testing, a lot of mileage, lots of data being done on it. There's a reasonable amount of Renault engines, but there's only two teams now running Ferrari oh, engines. That's true, actually, yeah. Um, and so yeah, unless obviously the, the works Ferrari team are going to get the best out of that engine. Um, what is Paul Sauber going to do if they're, you know, if they can't do anything with the engine, they're in no position to put any power on Ferrari, which the Red Bull team have been able to exert on Renault if the reports are, are to be believed. Um, no, yeah, absolutely right. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, that problem, when you think about it, if there's what, Force India, Williams, McLaren, Mercedes all run on Mercedes engines. That's four teams compared to two teams, so they have double the mileage essentially, double the data. It's going to make a difference. Well, it has to, doesn't it? Really. Um, Maybe. And that's, and that's always the weird thing, isn't it, about having a uh, a team be um, uh, an engine supplier um, because they must benefit from the data that all the other teams feed back. They actually, they can't not, can they? We've made a bit of an oversight here, because Marussia are running Ferrari engines. Are they? Yeah. Oh yeah, but, of course. But, I don't know how useful they are in well, they, helping help them. But. <laughs> you would have to assume that there's no way that those that uh, uh, Marussia is going to stress test the Ferrari <laughs> engine, other than showing what it can do in a possibly an impact situation. Like, I mean, when you, when you think about it, how many laps have Marussia actually completed? Did they complete any, did, 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 did they get anywhere at Marlborough Park? I, um, I both them spelled on Ch Ch Chilton didn't, I think, and I think Bianchi did, and it was the opposite way around, I think. This. Right, so we've had two finishes from four, which, to be fair, isn't a disaster, but... Yeah, um... Yeah, so they've got, they've got Marussia helping them out as well, but like you say, there's a bit of a difference between having Sauber and Marussia, and then Mercedes having McLaren, Williams, Force India, three top teams, so that definitely could be having an effect, and I hadn't even considered that until you mentioned it. Hmm. Interesting one. Interesting. So, there are reasons to um, to warrant watching the Bahrain Grand Prix, other than just being a mad F1 fan like we all are. Um, and if you are a mad F1 fan, then you should be listening to this podcast. And you obviously are right now. Um, but if you haven't already, we'd really like you to um, follow us on Twitter, which is at Final Lap Podcast. We'd really, really like you to like our Facebook page, which is The Final Lap Podcast. You can download the episodes on iTunes um, eventually, once I fix the feed. I still haven't done that. Sorry, guys. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, we've tried to, so far, live tweet all of our uh, thoughts and opinions on the race as it happens um and if you i won't be able to this weekend because suck. i think i'm working <laughs> nope. which means i'll have to try my best to watch the race at work which could be hit or miss hopefully <laughs> what time does the bahrain grand prix go uh, it's it a three o'clock one isn't it because yeah, it's an evening one isn't it i think oh they're doing a are they doing a an under lights dusk yeah sort of not quite what's the right word i'm looking for twilight is it yes twilight so, yeah, if it's 3 o'clock, I think I'll be working, which means I'll have to try and hopefully see it at work. If not, I'll, I'll catch it when I get back home, but not not great, but that's the way it goes sometimes. 
Well, usually we would both be live tweeting the race. Um, and to catch that kind of madness, all you got to do is follow me at Man Called Megs. And me at the fog on the fourth. Is it the fog on the fourth? No, it's not. You're wrong. It's fog on the fourth. The fog on the fourth is too big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, follow along, retweet us, talk to us, give us your thoughts on on what we we've been talking about and what uh, um, and what, what we think of the race. And um, you know, if you're an F1 fan, we'd love to have you on. Um, Keep an eye out on my Twitter account for my picture of the Bahrain Grand Prix. That <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I can't. I'm on Planet F1 right now, and I'm I'm looking at the wee ticker when it tells you when the next Grand Prix is, and the and the circuit maps next to it, and I can't see anything else other than my image in my head of what I, I now see the Bahrain track as. <laughs> That's it. You by the end of the season, all the circuits will be ruined for us. We'll just <laughs> see animals and men and people and God knows what else. <laughs> all in the name of the podcast. Wow. Yeah. And, on, and on that bombshell, I think that takes us nicely to the end of everything. Thank you ever so much for listening, and we shall see you after the Bahrain Grand Prix. Cheers. Bye.